Welcome back to Under Pressure. Today, I'm very excited to have Jay Haraluk with us from Acumax. Jay's going to talk to us about how you can leverage Acumax in your business in all facets and uh, take it to the next level. Hi, Jay. Good to see you again. And thanks so much for having me on your podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I know I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to get um, all this information about Acumax and everything in your head to our audience. Uh, Jay and I met in Texas at Pivot Point, uh, an event that Birdflow was holding. And we shared a lot of ideas and had, a, had some great conversations. And I learned a lot from Jay. So, Jay, I'm so excited to have you share everything about Acumax today. Definitely will. You let me know. Where would you like me to start? So let's start. Let's start with um, my introduction to Acumax. So the first time I had heard of Acumax, um, I took a test and or an assessment. Sorry, I took an assessment, uh, two assessments actually, and one of them was the Acumen, and the other one's the Acumax Index. Is that correct? That's correct. And what I was so surprised by is when I got the results back from these assessments, how accurate they were. Uh, when you take personality tests uh, for for jobs, often they you don't get much out of it, and they they kind of put everyone in little boxes, and um, you usually can't leverage that in your business too much. So I had been familiar with like Myers Briggs and DISC assessment, and I'd never really gotten too much out of those, and so I was very skeptical when um, I first took Jay's test uh, assessments and, and got into the the nuts and bolts of it and and learned about it. And then the more I read on it, the more I, I got into it and the more I learned from Jay, I was so impressed with not only what this tells you about yourself, but how you can apply this to your business, um, you know, to hire better, to relate with people better and converse and, and just deal with people um, in a more effective way. And so Jay, I'm hoping you could shed some light on, on what exactly those assessments are, and then we'll get into what that can do for you. Well, the Acumax Index is a personality assessment that's not a personality assessment. We're clumped into that arena. Most personality assessments are based upon social sciences or observable behavior. And ours is based upon you know, the neural sciences. Mm -hmm. So let me explain. In the 18 to 24 month period after any human being on the planet is born, certain chemicals come together in the brain and they create specific neural pathways. Now, during this time period, there are millions of pathways that are created, but we measure four as they apply to business and relationships because let's face it, business is relationships. Yeah. So we measure nature. This occurs in any individual. So people in the audience that maybe have kids, they good chance they went through the terrible twos. The terrible twos are because that's when your wiring pattern is the purest. It hasn't been inundated with external input. So what are external inputs? Well, where I'm born, the culture, nationality of where I'm born can have an impact on how I behave. You know, um, upbringing is very strong mm -hmm. because that, you know, parents or the adults are that are raising us is very strong in the beginning. You know, education can change personality and behavior, age and maturity. You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, Jay, the older you get, the smarter I'll become. And there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. You know, life's experiences, all the good and the bad things that have happened to us over our lifetime change personality and behavior. 
And one of the unique aspects of humans is we can short-term change our personality and behavior. It's why every client we've ever dealt with has at some point in time hired the next greatest rock star only to find out three months later or maybe sooner that they have a rock. Yeah. You know, because I know this comes as a, a bit of a shock to everybody here, but people can fib in the interview process. One of my favorite quotes was that if all the productivity improvements in resumes were actually occurring, we'd have 10% GDP growth annually. And that job interviews can be Academy award-winning performances. So this is a deep dive into an individual. The beauty of it is it never changes, mm. you know, only under extreme and rare situations, maybe a, a, a closed head injury, you know, bla- brain surgery, where the brain's forced to rewire, uh, rewire itself. Yeah. With 99.99% of the population, that's not going to be the impact. So it gives you a really deep dive into an individual, which is critical. All right. So that's the Acumax index. Now, the Acumen is our cognitive skills assessment. Cognitive skills simply tell us how quickly a person can grasp, retain, and utilize new information. Everybody eventually can. A good example of that is driving. Most people can drive. Of course, there's a lot of bad drivers out there. (laughs) But what's the value of knowing this? Well, you know, you may bring somebody into your organization and they may learn at a slower rate doesn't mean you exclude them, but maybe you slow down the onboarding mm-hmm. process. Or on the flip side, maybe they learn at a faster rate. So you want to speed that process up to avoid them being uh, you know, bored. So we measure two aspects of a person, their innate wiring, the environment they best thrive within, and then their cognitive abilities, how quickly they can learn, grasp, retain, utilize new information. Absolutely. And from these assessments, when when I first met Jay, um, he had taken a peek at my assessment and wow, it was like he was Sherlock Holmes um, just deducing the way I thought and the way I interacted with people based off my assessment. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah, we get business Kreskin all the time, you know, um, and because it's just we know how to read the results. Mm-hmm. And how the assessment works is it's a psychometric tool. And psychometrics are things you simply respond to. You know, I mean, there could be, I mean, in marketing, they've used psychometrics for years. Psychometrics can come in visuals, can come in words, can come in colors, can come in smells. You know, perfume and cologne is a real good example of a psychometric. Somebody walks by and you go, wow, it smells good. The next person walks by, you're gagging but they think they smell bad, you know? So it's a psychometric assessment. It's extremely hard to fudge and it's a deep dive into an individual. And the reason it's so accurate is that's your innate wiring. Yeah. It does not change. Absolutely. It, it, and I, I totally understand it after having, um, you know, so many great conversations with you, but I think what we have to do so that people can really understand what this looks like is, if you don't mind, I would love to share my assessment and then have you break it down and, and show people what it looks like and, and what this means. Absolutely. All right, so I will share that in a moment, but while I'm getting that up, I'd love, and I'm sure the audience would love to hear a little bit about the story of, Acu- of Acumax and how this all came to be. How did, how did you found this company? 
Well, what what's interesting is I quite by accident, 22 years ago, fell into the personality assessment arena. I was actually working for a lean manufacturing company and I was pretty much the liaison between the company and senior leadership. The issue with this company though, is they had a very poor behavioral department. It was pretty much, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. So I went looking for an alternative. And during that time of looking, uh, I talked to a company and they, uh, they made me an offer. And so I said, well, what the heck, you know? So I got into this arena 22 years ago. Hmm. During my time with the other company, I was very successful as one of their top consultants, but there were things that were being relayed that didn't make sense. So I started to explore into this. At the same time, I became very interested in the neural sciences. And one of the shifts you're seeing that occurring right now is moving away from the behavioral science and personality and moving to the neural sciences. So I became very enamored with the uh, neural sciences. And as I kiddingly say, from dealing with clients, hanging around with entrepreneurs, I had the bug myself. And so I decided uh, to leave that company and create the Acumax Index. Now, I had a one-year non-solicitation that I honored. I highly recommend you do that. But during that time, it allowed me to fine-tune things, research, go into individuals, and I interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, they would take it. I would put everything now is auto-generated through our software. I would put it all together by hand. And then <clears throat> we had the assessment validated. Now, what's a statistical validation? It simply states, do we measure what we say we're going to measure? Mm -hmm. And statistical validation is very important if you're going to use an assessment as part of the pre-screening process, which we can talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Secondarily, we have to be EEOC compliant. That means that we don't bias toward or against any protected class. Mm -hmm. So uh, we launched the company, uh, you know, kiddingly, no revenues, no clients, no nobody. And I'm sure many in the audience understand, can relate to that. And uh, we've grown throughout the years. We're used now um, in pockets of Europe. We're used in Asia. We're used in Africa, South America, North America. And people, when they find it, just say the same thing you did. This is just so accurate. It is just me. And the beauty of it is people, it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It just is. But when you understand how somebody is wired, it takes away what I call people clutter. Yeah. And people clutter is the thing with employees, you know, direct reports, coworkers, customers. Those are the things that can drag on business and they can actually you know, uh, remove effectiveness. So understanding how people are wired gives you great insight, not into yourself, but dealing with others. And then also helping businesses align the right talent in the right role. The reality of it is standard hiring gives you about a 40% hit rate. That means four out of every 10 people that the average business hires perform as expected from date of hire. That means 60% do not. 
So a lot of companies, they have a couple of A players, they have a couple of B players, they have a group of C players. They're not happy with the C players, but they kind of, oh, you know, what are we gonna do? So we do everything with analytics and data. There's no gut, there's no subjective. So we do everything with analytics and data. So if I want another Jake, I know his wiring, so I know exactly what to, what to go get, you know? Yeah. So that gives you kind of a little basics about I got into it. I've had lots of aha moments over the years. I'm sure. Of things that have happened to me in my lifetime and reflection back into, into my life, why things happened the way they did once I kind of, once I got involved in this. And uh, it's truly fascinating. One of my consultants asked me one day, do you ever get tired of reading results to somebody? I said, absolutely not. Oh, no. no I always enjoy the reaction. Yeah, and I can tell. I, I can tell how excited you were when you were sharing all of the results with with everyone at the Pivot Point event. Um, and that's why I'm excited to get into showing my my assessment so that people can see, all right, what does this look like? And then how can this be applied to the business, whether it's hiring, whether it's building out a team? There's so many great applications for this um, that I'm excited to get into it. So I'm going to share my screen. And as I do that, one last thing, Jay actually has a special offer that he would like to offer the group. Would you like me to share that with them or or do you want to share that? Please do. It's special for Jake and all of you viewers. All right. So anyone in the audience who's curious, wants to take a look at Acumax and see what all this hubbub is about, what I'm so excited about here, uh, you can text Jake to 1218-517-7985. I'm going to put the the number in the caption, but again, you text Jake to 218-517-7985. I'll put it all in the caption, but please go check that out. I highly recommend it. That is, if they do the text that, they get a link to do an assessment at no cost, right, Jay? Absolutely. You get a link through the text. It takes about five minutes to complete the assessment. And depending on the volume we have, it takes five to 10 minutes to get your results. But you'll get a PDF that will explain the basics of your reporting. Um, and uh, it's just our give back to the audience. So I hope people take advantage of it. It'll be quite an aha moment for you. Oh, absolutely. It would be. And it was for me. And uh, you're about to see why. So for anyone who is listening on the audio formats, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything like that, you're not going to be able to see this. But Jay does such, such a good job describing it that you'll be able to picture it yourself. But if you want to, you can go to our YouTube. This will be on both the Inspection Pros channel and the Under Pressure channel. This episode's going out to both uh, for the pressure washing community and for the home inspection community. So um, yeah, if you can't see it, go hop on the YouTubes. You'll be able to find it. So Jay, what are we looking at here? Well, okay. The the output has two graphs on it. Mm -hmm. All right. The top graph is your natural self. That is your innate mental wiring that sets at around 24 months. Mm -hmm. All right. The second graph, adjusted self, is a rear view mirror of the prior 90 days of your life. The adjusted self tells us how people are trying to adapt to their environment, you know, what changes they're going through, if they're going undergoing stress, if they're energized or de-energized mm-hmm. by their environment. Now, we won't go into organizations and we'll see 90, 95% of people that are de-energized. It doesn't mean they don't like their job. What it means is they're not getting the appropriate amount of their motivators. All right. So 
your top graph, the natural self, from these dots, and I'm gonna read them in just a second, but it tells me Jake's orientation to ideas, how he communicates, which is not talk or think, but successfully process thought, his work style, how he handles pressure, how he prioritizes things, how much risk he'll make in decision-making, how much flexibility he wants in his environment, where he gets his self-confidence, how he best learns. So you have all of this information in a quick five minute assessment. So that's when we can go into the, after I talk about how it, uh, the, what the dots say, uh, you know, that's why it can be used in the hiring process, the onboarding process, how to effectively coach people, how to set goals and, um, you know, give feedback to an individual, how they make decisions. So it's a wealth of information mm -hmm. in a couple of quick minutes. I was so surprised when, when I got the report back. It, it wasn't just this. It's a, to the audience, you have to understand there's pages, pages of how you interact with people, how to hire, how to coach them. It, it even says interview questions to ask specific people. So this isn't just it. And Jay, I was so surprised that what you just said, the wealth of knowledge just made me think, wow, yeah, there really was a wealth of knowledge you get back from this report. Yeah, just to, for the audience, you'll be getting your natural and adjusted self graphs, uh, drive intensity, which is the natural self, effective engagement, the environment you best thrive within, what the adjusted self report is or read, and how to best interact with me. So we do pare it down a little bit because of volume, it would it probably take 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour. But if you ever want additional information, you please feel free to contact support at Acumax Index. That's where everything will come from. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you do take it and you don't get the results, please check your spam folder, but it's support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at Acumax, A-C-U-M-A-X, index, I-N-D-E-X, dot com. All right. So Thank you. now I'll explain how it's set up. Yeah. So in the natural self on the left, you see RL of 52. RL means response level. So Jake selected 52 words. That creates the green line you see in the middle there. All right. It's unique to Jake. And so every time you take it, it's unique to you as an individual. So dots to the right are what we call high. Dots to the left are what we call low. And each of the dots correlates to the A, B, C, D, or TF in the right, all right? So uh, just to give you a, a thumbnail on this, I wanna step aside and say really to fully understand everything Acumax can do and all the power is about an eight hour workshop. Yeah. There's that much information. We don't have eight hours today, but I'm gonna try and give everybody a real good impact on yeah. this. So A is what we call well, before we do this, I'm going to read Jake, okay? All right. Jake is motivated by the opportunity for face-to-face -face people interaction. He likes positive encouragement and the offer of help. Though he may not always take that offer, he does enjoy it. He's also motivated by freedom and autonomy, the ability to do things his own way. He thrives best in an environment that has variety where he can pivot and switch gears. He likes flexibility in his environment. And although Jake may come up to somebody and tell them an interesting, fascinating five-minute story, when you come up to Jake and he's busy, he wants the critical points of information relayed quickly. 
So there's a little snapshot on Jake. And imagine my shock when I sit down for lunch with Jay in Texas and he's just explaining myself to me better than I could explain myself. (laughs) Well, that's one of the beauties is it gives not only the why, but it also gives a great language to communicate with individuals. So I'm going to go through the A, B, C, D real quickly here, and then I'll get to the TF. Please do. So A is what we call autonomy. All right. What it measures is idea flow in an organization. When the A is to the right, high in the A, that's Jake, high in the A. Those are individuals that prefer their way of doing things best. You know who you are out there. All right. Most engage with idea with ideas with their thumbprint on the ability to tweak it, change it will be more actively assertive in defending their ideas and plans of action. Now, when the A is on the other side of the norm, to the left, low in the A, those are individuals that prefer options in decision-making. They want to know what's best for the team or organization. They prefer more harmony and accord in the work environment. They want less conflict, all right? Not good, not bad, not right, not wrong, but is. So from the idea flow perspective, in most organizations, the higher A's have a tendency to impose their way onto the lower A's. We have to remember, all people are free thinking beings. All people have ideas. It doesn't matter if your A is all the way to the right, if your A is all the way to the left, it doesn't matter. It's how I value them. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we are, can teach is idea flow in organizations, how to let everybody contribute. In addition to that, there are roles in an organization where you want a higher A. There are roles in an organization where you want a lower A. Here's the funny thing about humans. It's our ability, you know, and hey, Jay, can you play along with me real quick? on this one? Absolutely. All right. So um, let me ask you some questions and then answer honestly. Would you want to work on an assembly line? No. Could you do the work if you had to? You had bills to pay, family to support? Probably. All right. More importantly, could you sell yourself as a pretty decent assembly line worker just to get the job in the interview? Probably. Yeah. All right. (laughs) But what would you be thinking every single day when you walked into that job? Oh, I got to do the same thing over and over again. Would you uh, consider it a long-term career move? Oh, no. What would you be doing when you weren't at work? Anything else. Another hobby, maybe a side hustle. (laughs) Or more importantly, probably looking for another job. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) as well. The reason I bring this up is because this is what happens to business owners each and every day. They interview somebody and they interview well. And so, Jake, do you want to work on this? And oh, I've lived my whole life to work on this. <laughs> this is the job. I love the job. And Jake, by his nature, could sell himself. I'm going to tell you that right now. He can sell himself. And so, but he would be unhappy. And that's usually what creates when you have an unhappy employee, they're not a fit for the role. They are usually either problem children or turnover in organizations. As a matter of fact, Gallup warned us of this great resignation over 10 years ago. They did a survey and they said 70% 
of the U.S. workforce was disengaged from their jobs. And there's two reasons. Number one, I'm not a wiring fit, putting Jake into the assembly line, Mm -hmm. all right? Number two, maybe I'm a wiring fit for the role, but I'm not properly motivated and coached. Yeah. So, you know, let's say I hire Jake and he's a great wiring fit for the role, but then I micromanage him to death. Then Jake, tell me how you're gonna react to me micromanaging every move you make. Not well. Not well. Yeah, so I, I would, I don't know how exactly I would react now, but in the past, I probably would I probably would shut down and, and not be able to get through too much work. Well, that's exactly right. And this is why. We don't have stamped on our foreheads, you know, the little read I did on you earlier. You don't have that stamped on your foreheads. But this gives us so much data and information. All right. I'm going to get into BCD in just a second, but you see there's W's, you know, uh, for all of Jake's drives. And you'll notice on the reports when you get them, you'll see an L. Mm-hmm. you'll see a W or an N. Now you could be all L's, you could be all W's, you could be all N's, you could be any combination of L, W, and N. This simply means like, want, or need. Do you like something? Do you want something? Do you need something? Mm-hmm. So in Jake's case, he's high in the A, he wants an environment where he can act and generate on his own results his own way. He wants an environment of freedom and independence. He wants an environment where he can have his thumbprint and his input on ideas and plans of action. All right. Now, one of the beauties of the instrument is everything's an opposite. Mm -hmm. So what the high side likes, the low side's not so crazy about. What the low side likes, the high side's not so crazy about. So that just gives you a little snippet into the A. And again, there's jobs where I want a high A. There's jobs where I want a low A. Okay. All right. So let's go. Do you have any questions, Jake, as we're going through this? Uh, so I don't, but I know that some of the audience members may have questions. So if you do have questions and you're listening, um, check out the assessment. And again, I can bring up that number for you. Um, but also reach out to Jay, reach out to me and let me get you in touch with Jay. Let's see, see if we can get these questions answered. Um, because I'm sure the audience will have some questions. Absolutely. Well, in my organization, we have a rule. The only bad question is the question that's not asked. Agreed. I love that. So the B drive is communication. All right. Everybody talks, everybody thinks but this is how I process thought. Now you'll notice Jake's B is to the right. He's what we call high in the B. Jake is a verbal thought processor. So this is how it works. As Jake is verbalizing, he's also developing ideas and plans of action. But it can be confusing to others at times because with high Bs, Jake may say, well, I'm thinking about turning right and this is the reasons. I'm thinking about turning left. Maybe we should go straight. As he's verbalizing, he's actually developing thought, all right? Another residual effect of high Bs, high Bs like response from people. When they ask a question or make a statement, they like response, they like replies, all right? Now, the B on the other side, low in the B, those people talk, 
those people think, but I process thought differently. How the brain works for low B is I listen to everything that's going on, then my brain kind of sifts through it, gets rid of the unimportant stuff, focuses on the meat, and then concentrates. Now, if you ask a low B a question, if it's something they know cold, they'll just answer it. But if it's something that's new and unknown, they do best with time to think an important issue through. Mm -hmm. If they don't have that opportunity to think it through, they'll never buy in. You know, many of you in the audience have probably experienced what we call the meeting after the meeting. So you have a big meeting, you decide everything, then the next day, a person walks in and says, you know, I was thinking about that meeting. I'm not so sure I'm on board with this or this or this, all right? Well, it's normally because the individual needs to think it through to buy in. Buy in is critical. Now, you can be authoritative in an organization and just say, do it this way. But when you can engage people, because the number one thing all employees want is to self-empowerment. Mm. So when you can engage them, and then you understand the techniques to loot, to use. What ends up happening with the high B and the low B is the high B makes a statement. The low B starts thinking about it and doesn't respond. The high B then starts to repeat themselves to get a response. As the high B is verbalizing more to get their response, it's stopping the low B from thinking. So it can be a very vicious cycle that goes round and round. Absolutely. Right. That just shows the power of being able to leverage this assessment and say, all right, this vicious cycle could happen, but let's avoid it by being aware. You're arming yourself with tools here, with dealing with each other in your, within your team, within your organization, by understanding how people are wired, right? Absolutely. I'm going to give everybody a coaching tip right now. If you're high in the B, like Jake, and you ask somebody a question, and they stare at you, what we call the blank processing stare. That's indicative of the thought process. Mm. And again, it's an important question. She's like, what do you want for lunch or something they know cold? But on that, when you see that, high Bs don't say anything. And if you don't like the dead air, make up your own response. Hey, you need a minute to think about that? Low Bs, when you experience somebody repeating themselves after they've asked you a question, all right, you probably have a high B. So just give them a response. Hey, Jake, you make a great point. Let me noodle on that a little bit. Let me think about it. I can get back with you in a couple of hours, okay? That takes away the clutter that occurs. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the examples I like to use is, is this, because it happens to everybody. You know, a high B is at the store and the retail person says, Dude, when do you want to take your washer and dryer? And they say, well, you know, man, I got a busy week here. Gosh, I'd like to get it before the weekend, but I got work responsibilities. I had stuff to do with the kids. I, this. I think I probably, Friday afternoon, I think I can squeeze it in Friday afternoon. And they'll do it just like that verbally. Lobies have the same conversation, but guess where they have it? In their head. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's one of many of us have heard the old sales adage, you know, the person who speaks first loses. Mm. And that was definitely developed by a low B. All right. So here's that little trick. High B's, when you see the stare, when you ask a question, don't say anything. Give your own response. You need time to think about it. 
Low B is if you see somebody repeating themselves, you know, give them a response. That's really what it is. Yeah. Let me think about it. I'll get back with you. It's an acknowledgement. Yeah. Now, there's roles for high Bs in organizations and there's roles for low Bs in organizations. Okay. I have. Quick little side story. One of my good, one of my clients has become a very good friend of mine. His training was as a chemist and he's high in the B. And usually chemists by their nature are low in the B. Mm -hmm. So his first job out of college, he got with this company. And uh, after a couple of months, the employees were going to the owner going, this guy's driving me crazy, man. He's coming over. He's talking to me all the time. And, you know, (laughs) so actually the, uh, the owner pulled him aside and said, you know what? I know you're a chemist by nature and you have a great background, but I think there's a better role for you in the organization mm-hmm. where you can be out interfacing with people using your knowledge. And he's been incredibly successful in his career. And he kind of goes back and he said, that was actually a big changing point. And he said, I didn't realize why I was irritating everybody because the majority of the chemists there were low in the B. They were heads down. They were analyzing. He's high in the B. He's talk, walking around, talking to people. And so it was. In, that's very interesting about how you align with background and skill set. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. C drive. C drive is 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 what we call patience. Now the drives get their names from the high side. So Jake is low in patience. All right. That doesn't mean that sometimes he can't be patient, but his nature is to be more impatient. Well, characteristics of being more impatient is, well, I ask you, Jake, you do a things to do list. One, two, three, four, five. Where do you start? Um, it, it depends. Usually at one. <laughs> but it depends. It depends. Will you always go to two after one? No, no, no. Based on what I what I prioritize things as. If it's it needs to be timely or it's something I can crack out real quick. Well, that's kind of an interesting concept with low C's. By nature, we are more a juggler with our work activities. Yeah. So we'll do a things to do list, one, two, three, four, five. We may start on 27, hop back to six, go to four. Yeah. All right. We accept elements of pressure. We may not always like it, Mm -hmm. but we accept it. All right. Um, We want to make a quick decision with all other drive needs taken care of. Mm -hmm. So the C drive, it's how I work. It's how I accept pressure. It's my speed of decision making. And actually, it's also our innate fuses. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain that in just a second. Now, high C, the opposite of Jake. Those are individuals high in the C. They prefer a sequential environment. They set their plan of action one, two, three, four, five. They start at one, finish it, go to two, finish it, go to three, finish it. They like having a plan and following it in order. Oh, yeah. They will actually push back from pressure that they deem to be undue pressure. And I'll give a couple of examples. All right. So they're more deliberate decision makers. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the interaction of low C's and high C's. So a low C goes to a high C and says, hey, I need a decision on this. And the high C says, well, I can have it for you at four o'clock today. The low C is like, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, four o'clock. Oh my gosh, that's so much time. Why does it take so much time? So a low C decides they're gonna speed things up a little bit. So I'm going to walk into the high C's office in an hour. I'll be texting them. I'll be calling them. 
you know, I'll be going back into their office. I'll bug them five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Yeah. It comes four o'clock. The high seas walk in, said, do you have a decision? The high seas says, no. Well, why not? Well, if you hadn't interrupted me 17 times, yeah. I would have it. There's an example of the pushback. I love that. You've experienced most of these other drives yeah. in, in your life and your organization. Oh, I'm sure everyone has. And just to the point, now that I'm thinking about it, after you described it a little bit more, I wouldn't start. You just asked me, Cole, I, I wasn't prepared for that question. Now being prepared for that question, of the lit checklist, I would probably start with whatever I deemed to be most um the most effective to reach my goal whatever in that checklist whatever i thought all right if this is the mission i'd go through the checklist and say all right number 12 is going to get me one step closer to our mission or, or closer than the other steps and so i think that that's what it is being more task oriented right well yeah i mean it's really be more of a juggler you answered it right you know sometimes i'll start at one yeah sometimes i'll start at seven that's a very low C aspect. Actually, kind of one of the things that's kind of interesting we've noticed over the years is low Cs will put the hardest thing at the top of the list and they'll do all 47 things underneath it, hoping that it will magically fall off one day. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, and so, but it, that's what being a work juggler is. I'll yeah. Set up things to do one, two, three, four, five. I may start on 27. Yeah. You know, because low C, I'm more impatient. I want to make a quick decision. I'm more impatient. I do accept elements of pressure, except I also put low C's, put pressure on themselves and others. Mm -hmm. High C's are the exact opposite. And the reason is because of how the brain works. The high C brain is wired more for completion, which means if the high C is in the middle of doing something and then gets yanked away from it, without the ability to button it down first. Notice I didn't say finish. Yeah. I said button down first. A residual part of their brain is still thinking about what they should have been completing. Yeah. You know, there are high C roles in organization and there are low C roles in organizations. You know, actually, personality assessments, little history here, started after World War II with the U.S. military studying why certain people were successful as a fighter pilot. Mm. Certain people were successful as a bomber pilot. Fighter pilot is low C. I have to pivot, change. Bomber pilot is high C. I have an actual plan to follow. That was actually the birth of personality assessments wow. many, many years ago. That's so interesting. I love that. And the C drive, it's, you know, it's how we work, except pressure, speed of decision-making. I mentioned our innate fuse. Low Cs, kiddingly, I like to do some jokes for things, but low Cs, when we get irritated, we're like old faithful at Yellowstone National Park. We'll spit once a day. You know, I Cs, because they're more patient by nature, they're like Mount Vesuvius. When they finally explode, once every three to 4,000 years, they bury Pompeii in a mile of ash. Mm. It's kind of an interesting little thing. And usually what triggers it is pressure. Mm. Our tendency is to treat others the way we're wired. Yeah. That's what creates the disconnect with people over time. And that's, what, that's why I needed to bring this to the audience so they could understand how you can arm yourself with this to understand that you know, you can't tr treat everyone and interact with everyone like they're yourself because they're not. They have different wiring. And that's why we're here. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, a good example of 
low C environment is an emergency room mm-hmm. in a hospital, unpredictable. You know, you may have a certain number, you may have a, a patients to take, but then somebody comes in, has been a gunshot victim or has a heart attack, they may take, you know, higher priority than somebody who has a broken arm. Yeah. But surgery is high C. It's a process and steps to follow. It's not like, well, Jake, you know, today you're gonna have your gallbladder we're coming through your ear this time, just for fun. But you, you kind of see that. Jobs have, there's low C jobs, and there's high C jobs and organizations. I want to uh, make this comment. This is the most stressful drive to work against. A low C working in a high C environment gets bored. Mm-hmm. They lose focus. That can oftentimes create like safety issues. Oh, wow. Yeah. A high C working in a low C environment feels pressure. They can make mistakes. So this is a real important aspect in aligning people with jobs. The beauty is we use analytics. So in an organization, when we walk in, they say, I want another Jake, I have the analytics. You know, well, who's gonna be best for technicians? Who's gonna be best in sales? Who's gonna be best in this? We have a couple of ways of doing it. Number one, you know, we can look at data of existing people that are successful in the organization. And if the position doesn't exist, then we can make it, you know, through what we call the subjective position profile. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. One of my clients yesterday, I was on the phone with them. They're looking for an executive director for their organization. And so he brought together the search committee and they created a position profile subjectively. And then they there's another executive director that works in a different organization. So we would like somebody just like him. So they went out, had him do the survey. All right. It matched what they created perfectly, which valid because they're like, how do we know we created it right? Well, you want somebody like this person and you created it correctly. Yeah. And then it gave them a lot of insight into the candidates that they had. Because mm-hmm. how we look at it from hiring is are they, are they a wiring match? Then do they have the background and skill set? You know, I may have a great wiring for the role, but if you're looking for an orthopedic surgeon and I don't have medical school training, it could be a problem. Oh, yeah. So you want to go on those. Actually, a lot of skills can be taught. Obviously, medicine, you have to go to college, uh, to medical school for it. But in the skilled trades, a lot of our clients are using this tool to train people. You know, we... We do a lot of work in, in manufacturing and machining. The average age of a machinist is like 60 years old. So they're finding people who have the wiring for it. Then they give them the acumen to see how quickly they learn, look at what their mechanical aptitude is and are creating a whole new workforce. And the reason I bring this out is because the next big initiative in the next 10 years is for employers to be able to offer opportunities and train people for those roles. Uh-huh. Because a lot of, uh, you know, clients say, well, we can't find people. You may not be able to, but you can find people. Yeah. We actually had a client many years ago. They were having a hard time getting salespeople. So what they did is they constructed the salesperson profile using the psychometrics. They created ads to attract them. And it was basically, hey, do you want to get involved in hospitality? Um, 
We're going to teach you hospitality. We'll teach you all the aspects of it. And then you can become a salesperson for us. So they taught the background and skills necessary. Interesting. The residual effect of that, though, was as as their competition found out about it, they wanted these individuals because they were highly trained and they knew they could sell. But then that comes into the key aspect of being able to motivate, to engage and retain. Yeah. (laughs) I'll do D-Drive. I know lots of information here. So D-Drive is what we call certainty. Now, this has nothing to do with intellectual learning. Yeah. Nothing. Right. It has everything to do with how much information I want for effective decision making. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jake is low in the D. He wants the W an environment that offers him flexibility. He wants the critical points of information, the summary sheet when people are proposing ideas to him. You know, he wants less rules, regulations, and structure in his environment. When the D is on the other side, those are individuals who prefer quite a bit of information. And again, it depends the amount. Is it, do I like the information? Do I want the information? Do I need the information? I want to know the rules, regulations, and structure of the organization. I want a lot of proof in decision-making. Jake is a low D, can make decisions that make high Ds sweat, you know, because he's more accepting of risk. Actually, lower D, because I don't need the information, I'm more accepting of risk in decisions. High D, because I do want the information, I'm going to be wanting to minimize it. Now, I want to make a point here. Everybody makes risk decisions. They just make them differently. Yes. That's a key. Many of the assessments say a person won't make a risk decision. or That's ridiculous. You know, if somebody wouldn't make a risk decision, they wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You'd think so. Yeah. There's, there's a scale. <laughs> it's not binary. <laughs> it is. And there's roles where I want a low D in them and there's roles that I want to hide. Actually, that brings up something real quick. Sorry to interrupt here, but I'm curious. Is this something you deal with often, like telling telling people that, hey, this isn't binary. It's not just high and low. There's there's a scale in between. Is that something you have to talk about often? Well, there's a scale and there's relationships. You know, the scale, the like, want, need, the intensity factor of it. There's the relationships of the A and D, Alpha and Delta. There's the relationships of the A and B, Alpha and Bravo. There's the relationship of the C. When you use the C drive, the AD relationship, the AB relationship, those are the critical points that we use to create a profile for a job. Mm -hmm. And then people are matched to that. Green, yellow, red. Green's a go. Yellow is cautionary. Mm-hmm. Now we have yellow in there because there's some cautionary individuals that'll work well. And we also realize it's a tighter employment market. Yeah. Red is a no-go. And you know, I was talking with a prospective client, and he's a member of a group. I was talking to him a couple months ago. And he said, a lot of members in this group use your instrument. And they all across the board said, Yep, we violated the process. We've hired a red match. How did it work out? We had to fire them. So we save you time and money and create clarity. And he was so intrigued. They become clients now, but he was just so intrigued by it. That's one of the things we say. If you follow the process, you'll get great results. You know, I mean, it's kind of like this. You know, Jake, if you're not a fit for a role, no matter how much you're referred, no matter how much I like you, no matter how much we have common friends, 
and interest. If you're not a fit for the role, I shouldn't bring you in. And one of my clients, she said it best. She said, when I don't hire somebody, I'm actually doing them a favor. Yeah. Oh, it makes Because sense. they're not going to have a bad impression of us and we're not going to have a bad impression of them. This kind of gives you like a sneak peek into the person's mind. Like, I feel like I've just shown an x-ray into my thoughts to, to the audience. And I'm totally comfortable with that because uh, when I did meet you, Jay, what did you say? That I had the best, the best wiring? <laughs> and why is well, that? <laughs> I said that because you got to love who you are. Yeah. Somebody who's the opposite of Jake, they got to have the best yeah. wiring. Oh, yeah. You have to love who you are. Now, we all have strengths. We all have limitations, you know. And for the audience, I'm wired like Jake. Yep. We're actually very similarly wired. But when I say that, you know, you have a best wiring pattern. I say that to individuals all the time. You have to love who you are. Everybody brings a specialness to the organization. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has limitations. There's no good or bad wiring. The best wiring is who we need for a particular role. And you're doing them a service. You, Like you said, you absolutely are. Why set people up to fail, essentially, if you can get the snapshot of someone's thought process and, and their wiring and say, all right, they they would be set up for success in this role or they wouldn't be. And now you, you kind of know ahead of time, right? And that's fantastic. You're setting them up. You're absolutely right. You know, turnover is costly for organizations. If turnover was a line item on financial statements, people would be shocked at the cost. The issue is a lot of these studies come out and say, well, you know, a $25,000 employee is gonna cost you $150,000 to replace and people don't believe that. Cause that's a little stretched out. But if you look at it like this, even if they're, let's say they're a $25,000 year employee, you know, do you have the time of going through the interview process, checking references, people's time in interviewing, onboarding, and then, yeah, they may do the job for a little bit and either they self-select out or you have to ask them to leave. Then you have to start the process again. It costs you money and it costs you time. Most of the majority of our clients get a positive ROI with one hire. Yeah. And that's key. And the smaller the business, the more impactful the wrong hire becomes. Oh, absolutely. It was funny because we had a client that uh, engaged with us a little bit. They taste tested it about a year, year and a half ago, and they decided they didn't need it. And then about six months later, they call us up and they say, I think we need you. Why? Well, we didn't think we did. We hired this guy. We thought he'd be great. We had to fire him after four months. So there's the, uh, uh, you know, there's just the, uh, the way it is. Standard hiring gives you a 40% hit rate. Doing this makes it about 85%. Now it's not perfect. There's no perfect tool. You know, Jay could have the right background. He could have the right skill set. He could have the right attitude. But if he's going out to the casino every night and staying out till 4 a.m., it's going to be really hard for him to be sharp and on the job at 7. Absolutely. So there can be these things. But if you hire to the right profile and then motivate them the right way, you know, giving uh, Jake freedom and autonomy to set his own goals, give him his thumbprint on things, allowing him to verbally discuss issues and problems through, it's going to engage him more. And having this data improves interactions across the board. Yeah. 
So Jay, I'm sorry to stop you for one moment. We are going to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor, Pair Payments, and we'll be right back. The home inspection industry is highly competitive and you need an edge to stay on top. You certainly can't afford to give profit away for no reason. But what if I told you credit card processors may be overcharging you and robbing you of profits you've worked hard to earn? It's time to put an end to being overcharged for payment processing. It's time to take back your profits. That's why we've put together a free report, How to Avoid Being Overcharged by Your Payment Processor. Head over to TakeBackYourProfits.com, download the report, and put an end to being overcharged for credit card processing. You've worked hard for your sales, and you deserve to keep it. What are you waiting for? Go to TakeBackYourProfits.com and download your report today. All right, and we are back. We are back with Jay from the Acumen Index, Acumax Index, who's discussing this in great detail for us today and giving us some great insight into uh, the, the neural pathways here, how you can understand and how you can really use these to your advantage. So Jay, let's let's finish up with this and then we're gonna check out some overlays and, and um, get into some more detail. I wanna just talk about the red dot that you see here, the TF, that's called the tilt factor. What the tilt factor does is two things. Um, number one, it's how I tilt in an ambiguous decision. 50% mm-hmm. of the numbers say turn right. 50% of the numbers say turn left. What will tilt me? When the tilt is low, like it is with Jake, he will consider the subjective or the gut feel. When the tilt is high, that individual is going to be driven more by objectivity, more data. High tilts can make gut decisions, but as a client once said, I make that decision, but it kind of haunts me. All right. The second thing it does, it's it's innate approachability. Low tilts have lower space zone requirements Mm -hmm. than higher tilts, you know? Yeah. So if your tilt factor's on the green line, it's like here, there's your zone. If it's lower, it's like this. If it's a higher, it's like this. So it can understand some of the differences. Now we measure tilt in mild, fairly intense, very strong. So it it can impact it. Now you can have two identical wiring patterns with different tilt factor, and it actually changes the persona. Why? Low tilt warms the profile, high tilt cools the profile. Yeah. I do want to point out that about two to 3% of the time, the tilt factor can be an issue. It can be either way too low in a profile or way too high in a profile. Mm-hmm. Now, way too low or way too high would be 50 into those little notch marks you see. Okay. Jake's is just fine. But we do see that at times, and it does give added insight. As a matter of fact, we had a client and contacted us and said, I have this candidate. They have a good background and skill set, but I'm very, very concerned about the very low tilt. Mm-hmm. So he asked one of my consultants to sit in on the interview. The candidate started crying in the middle of the interview about how they wanted a job. Wow. Now, you know, that's not really going to get you jobs. But it was so low, it just consumed her in emotion. And actually, she called back in the office and spoke to one of my other consultants, you know, about it. Obviously, they didn't hire him. 
And he said, look, you know, let's give you some coaching on this. And this is why. She goes, I can't control myself. I just want the job so much. I just cry and cry. Well, that's because her tilt was incredibly low. It'd be like all the way to the end of where your graph is, mm -hmm. all the way to the left. So it does give valuable insight. Every dot, every item in here gives valuable insight into people. Now, I do want to make a comment about adjusted self. You see, yeah. Jake, he's a little de-energized. De-energized is because he's not getting enough of his innate motivators. Mm -hmm. He's making some changes, a little bit minor, but he's not getting enough of his innate motivators, okay? So, because he doesn't have it stamped on his forehead. So, how do I energize Jake? Give him, you know, more freedom, flexibility, and autonomy. You know, opportunity to talk things through. You know, really look at him from just a goal accomplishment perspective. Look at it like this. When you have motivators and you give them to somebody, it energizes the wiring pattern. It pumps somebody up. Yeah. It's like when you're hungry and you eat, it gives you energy. Unless, of course, you eat and then you have to go to a seminar and then you get sleepy in the afternoon, but yeah, it does give you energy. So motivators are food for the wiring pattern. They're food for the soul. Yeah. So when you understand these things. Now, another comment I do want to make about adjust itself. Jake's not making any changes. There's a little bit, you know. When we talk about a serious change, it's when a dot goes from one side in the natural self mm -hmm. to the other side in the adjusted self. So it would be Jay's, Jake's A going from high to low. Mm -hmm. The more of these drives that change position between natural and adjusted self, the greater elements of stress an individual feels. And stress can rear its ugly head mentally, emotionally, or physically. Now, there's good stress. Having to meet a deadline, you know, getting a job accomplished on time. Bad stress is when you try and change who you are. Years ago, I walked into an organization and I did a presentation for senior leadership. And one of the senior leaders there, he was completely changing who he was from the top graph to the bottom. All four of the drives were changing. The highs were going to lows and adjusted. The lows in natural were going to high and adjusted. He was incredibly de-energized. I looked at him and I said, I really don't want to alarm you, but I'm a little concerned that you could be a candidate for a heart attack. Oh, wow. He looked at me and he said, how did you know I had a heart attack six weeks ago? I've just gotten back to work. Wow. And that's the power. I'm, I'm not saying everybody who's stressed is going to, but the stress had been going on for so long. I talked to him. I said, how long have you been trying to be this way? He said, five years. So much stress. And so, you know, there again, it can, stress can, uh, you know, create uh, physical issues, you know, headaches, heart attack, upset stomach, you know, uh, mental issues where, you know, you become fogged or it's hard to think or clarify, you know, and even to some elements, emotional issues, yeah. you know? So there, like I said, it gives us an awful lot of information. That's all I really want to say yeah. about the adjusted self right now. And some of it that we're talking about here is why, you know, a training class is eight hours. Yeah. You know, there's just so much value. There's so much. And one thing I do want to bring up is like, I'm sure you see a lot of adjusted selves being different from the natural selves due to 
COVID-19 and the, the adjustments that companies made after that with remote working, like someone, someone who's high A or high B and really needs that person to person communication, how do they react? And are they very adjusted when they're working remotely? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things we responded to was we have a remote engagement report, how to better engage people. We had a lot of our clients reach out to us and say, okay, now the world's different. How do I engage them? Yeah. Because high bees, we like that element of face-to-face. I mean, Zoom or, or, you know, Teams or WebEx is okay. But we like that. And a lot was, uh, neglect, you know, obviously denied during the shutdowns of the pandemic. So we had that to help engage people remotely. And um, it was hard, you know. I mean, one of the things that my company, we've been remote since day one. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't a big culture shock for us to do it. However, what we did experience is because I have a lot of IB in my organization, we liked being face-to-face with the client doing the live training Well, we had to pivot. So our two pivots were to change the training format to a Zoom. So instead of having like a live four-hour session, we'd break it down to a two-hour session because we found that, you know, it's the old adage, the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. <laughs> and then we did the remote engagement report. Yeah. And that was actually the, my director of IT came up with that idea. He said, you know, we need to do this from idea to, from his concept to delivery was four weeks. Wow. So, because we had to respond and a lot of our clients, I love getting it, you know, when emails, thank you. The remote engagement really helped us during this tough time. Yeah. We appreciate the things that you do. Because it's really all about engaging people so that they could be happy, productive, and satisfied in their role. And that's the goal, because then if they're productive, you're productive, the whole organization's productive, it just makes sense. Why not leverage this? Well, as with anything, you know, where do we spend, as business owners, where do we spend the majority of our time? With the problem children. Yeah. The good performers we don't have to worry about. So let's get more of our time back by getting rid of those. And, you know, it could be I'm not a fit or I'm not properly managed and motivated. You know, people accept goals differently. They accept instruction differently. Knowing how to do that the first time eliminates angst, not just for you, the business owner, but for your employees and your team as well. Absolutely. And so now uh, one thing I want to share, we we just shared the, uh, we did the natural self, the adjusted self. And now I want to show you uh, another feature of the Acumax here, which is the overlay feature. So you can take some, you can take multiple people in your organization and you can overlay them um, and build a, a great team out that way. Right, Jay, you can, you can see where there's actually the whole graph with the four quadrants as well. But right now I'm going to bring up an overlay of me and one of my siblings. I'm not going to name who it is just because I haven't asked to share this. But (laughs) here it is, anonymous. It's me and a sibling. And it's just very interesting. I'm the red and the sibling is the green. And I'm just, Jay, if you want to talk about this and we can get into this, it's just so interesting to me to be able to see, you know, two people who came from the same people. It's like very different, right? Well, you know, I, first of all, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, we know what chemicals drive the neuro, that create the neural pathways mm-hmm. for the A, the B, the C, and the D. But how they come together, we don't know. 
you know, that's why you could have two blonde-haired, blue-eyed parents and have a dark-haired, dark-eyed child, you know. Or you could have, you know, one sibling that's brown hair and brown eyes and another sibling with blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. I mean, we understand recessive and dominant genes from a physical perspective, but why do they form it the way that they do? So, yes, this is very common. And the overlay function is for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can take your team and you can overlay. Do I have a gap somewhere? Yeah. Because, you know, when you have a team full of clone wiring patterns, we all like doing the same things. Things fall through the cracks. To have an effective team, you need a diversity of wiring. But diversity of wiring is the exact thing that creates team dysfunction. Yeah. Unless I know the value. So just with this overlay with Jake and the sibling, they're both high in the A. They both prefer their way of doing things best. Well, what can happen in meetings? Well, Jake wants to turn right. Sibling wants to turn left. So there can be a lot of time with head banging. You know, that five minute conversation, which should be a five minute conversation, becomes a 20 minute conversation. Yeah. Because Jake's trying to convince, you know, his sibling of the brilliance of his way of doing it. His sibling is trying to convince Jake of the brilliance of his way of doing it. Okay. So you can see that that can create a potential clash. Now the B drive, Jake is a verbal thinker. You know, his sibling is an internal thinker. This creates an issue too. Jake asks a question, gets the blank stare. Jake gets frustrated, repeats himself, you know, which the sibling can't think. So, but Here's the thing. Jake won't buy in unless he can verbalize it. Sibling won't buy in unless they can internalize it. But it's a graphic you can see. You go, okay, got it. Now we know what that issue is. Like, what, what's the disconnect in this relationship? Oh, uh, we don't know. Oh, there's Acumen. It's telling Acumen. Acumen tells you right there. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. They're both low in the sea. They like variety. They like juggling. You know, the danger, though, is low C's want to make quick decisions. So we want to make sure that if we have a team of low C, are we making the decision too quick? You don't want to be too impulsive. Yeah, you need to balance it out. Again, there's strengths and limitations, you know. And the D drive, you know, Jake sibling likes good amounts of data and information in the decision-making process. Because Jake doesn't really prefer that, the tendency of low D is not to give as much information to the high D. The high D gets frustrated. Now, on the flip side, the tendency of the high D is to give TMI too much information to the low D. When the high D gives too much information to the low D, well, Jake, when somebody gives you too much information, what happens to you? Cut to the chase. Let's go. You get, you get impatient. I mean, yep, you get impatient. Frustrated. And the tendency is fog out at times. Yeah. So I understand Absolutely. in a visual, most people respond really well to visuals. We have lots of visuals in our system, and we do that for a reason. I mean, you can lay the entire team there. You can put people in and out. You can take a group of employees and create one amalgamated group profile so you know how to lay down goals, set objectives. That also provides data for creating position profiles for hiring. So, you know, we are, we're a hiring tool, but we also are an employee and company lifecycle tool. What are the positions we need to fill? 
How do I manage individuals? How do I resolve conflict? Jake and his sibling. There can be conflict from the A drive. There can be conflict from the B drive. There can be conflict from the D drive. And there can be a conflict from C when they're making decisions too quick. Jake might make his decision to turn right, sibling to turn left. You know, I'm glad you're going to ask permission, but I do want to do a, one more little side point. Yeah. This information can be freely shared in organizations and workplaces. This is not covered under HIPAA law. And we encourage it. We encourage it because when you interact better. So now Jake knows his sibling. He's when he approaches his, he's going to say, okay, I have this idea, but he's going to know that his sibling is going to modify it a little bit to own it. Jake knows that he needs to give some degree of proven information and data. He needs to relay information quickly. And then lastly, allow his sibling time to think it through. Mm. What happens is the interaction improves the sibling the same way. I'm going to present my idea. Jake's going to tweak it a little bit. I have to understand that Jake's going to want to verbalize it. I'm going to just give him the summary sheet. And because he wants more data, he'll ask for it. So it improves that interaction above and beyond. So it's the hiring, the onboarding, the motivating, the coaching, the building effective teams is key. Conflict resolution. And then one last thing I do want to uh, touch upon. Career advancement. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in organizations, we take a great worker, we put them in a supervisory role, and then they're unhappy and they leave. And we have two openings then. There are career routes for individuals. Um, we had a, a client that right before they engaged with us, they took, it was an IT firm, great developer. And they thought, this guy's a great developer. You know, we're going to make him the supervisor. Well, then after they engaged with him, one of the things after they promoted him, he never left his office. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want to engage with his people. Well, he was so very, very low in the B that that creates elements of people and communication avoidance. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, we need our supervisors on. They got to talk to people. He won't talk to anybody. Yeah. Right? Well, they could do some coaching, but they actually realigned it. And then finally they went back to him and said, would you rather just be a developer instead of a supervisor? And the guy's like, man, I'm so glad you asked me that because I didn't like this. I didn't want to do it. And frankly, I was thinking about looking for another job. Oh, wow. So it gives us information on how to properly advance individuals within the organization to eliminate the Peter principle, to eliminate turnover. That happens all the time. Take a great worker, promote them to supervisor, then they leave and I've got two holes in my organization. Absolutely. And that makes sense. That that really makes sense. And so I really hope that that people take you up on the offer to text Jake to 218-517-7985. Take up Jay on this offer to do the to do the Act because seriously, in five minutes, how long do these take on, on average? Our average completion time is about four point four minutes. So if you can in no. four point four minutes change the way you interact and hire and, and set up paths for ascension in someone's career. I mean, you can really optimize your business to a huge extent by, by leveraging this. <laughs>
The only thing when you take the Acumax index, now the link is just for the Acumax, not for the Acumen, mm. cognitive skills. But when you take it, don't overthink it, just do it. Be natural. And that's the best way to get the best results possible. And again, depending on volume, it may take up between five and 10 minutes to get your results. When you do take it, you will get the two graphs, drive intensity, the explaining of like, want, need, effective engagement, the environment you best thrive within, your adjusted self graph and a report, how to best interact with me. So you can start using some of these principles right away in better understanding yourself, and more importantly, how you interact with other people in your organization, in your customers, hey, and even in your personal life. Absolutely. And that that's huge to me as well, because now I'm, I hear all this and I'm reflecting back to, oh, wow, that's how I react to things and this is why. And here's how I can, you know, tweak that a little bit, be, be aware by reflecting on my natural wiring. So it just seems like you can improve yourself by being aware and reflecting on it. All right, Jay. So, wow. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you think we should cover? I think we pretty much covered the gamut here in a short period of time. You may have to cut this podcast into two parts because there's so much in here. Yeah. Um, but no, there's a good basics and a good understanding um, you know, you'll get your report. If you want any additional information, please don't hesitate to reach out. Always glad to answer questions. It may not be me. It may be one of my team, uh, but we're all very competent. And the biggest thing is understanding, number one, who you are and then how to improve interactions with other people and then how to really improve your businesses by hiring, coaching, motivating the right way and quickly resolving differences. Absolutely. So Jay, if someone does want to reach out to you and ask questions or ask for more information on this, what's the best way for them to reach you or your team? Best way is to where you get the uh, report email support at Acumax index. That's the best way. And the reason being is I'm not always available, but one of our tenants of our company is to amaze our clients with great companies, with great client service every single day. So it goes in and then available consultants can jump on it immediately and get back with you, you know? So um, that's one of our tenants and we live to it every single day, but support at acumaxindex.com, uh, A-C-U-M-A-X-I-N-D-E-X. And again, if you do do it, you don't get your results in 10, 15 minutes, check your spam folder, but that's the best way to get back in touch with us. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. I know the audience will appreciate it. And to anyone who's listened to, to this episode this far, um, I highly commend you because I know this at the beginning of this episode, it's hard to kind of... Um, let everyone know and portray what we're going to talk about. This is, is something that what, you really need to see it to start to understand and believe it and how you can apply it to your life and your business. So I appreciate everyone sticking with us. And Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Jake. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed getting to meet you uh, in Texas a few weeks ago. And I look forward I look and I look um to our future interactions and relationship. Absolutely, me as well. And Jay, we are absolutely going to have to have you come back on the podcast. Um, I loved your stories. I loved uh, hearing all about Acumac. So I'd love you have, have you on again. And I'm sure the audience would love it as well. <laughs> 
Anytime you're ready, I'd be more than willing. Thanks. You just, you're a great host. You made this a very easy podcast to do. I try. I try. We had a great conversation and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch after the show. So thank you very much, Jay. Thank you very much to our audience. And to, whether you're tuning in on Under Pressure or Inspection Pros, please uh, stay tuned for the fantastic episodes we have coming up. And if you've listened to one of the podcasts, but not the other, go check out the other ones because although it's specific to an industry, we have industry influencers in each industry and experts in each coming on. There's a lot of um, a lot of great topics that really translate well to both industries. So go check out both. You can cross pollinate and pull some episodes from each. And uh, stay tuned for our fantastic lineup of guests coming on each each podcast. We we really have been so lucky with the fantastic interactions and engagement we've gotten from a lot of the experts and influencers in each field. So thank you very much to the audience, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit the bell so you won't miss our next episode. This episode was produced by Jake Aronson. This has been a Pair Payments production. 